Well, good morning, everyone. The psalmist writes, Great is the Lord and most worthy of our praise, and he certainly is. In your bulletin, you'll notice our Christmas offering this year is really an extension of our Thanksgiving offering. We're going to continue to split the offering between Sharing Life Ministry that's here in Mesquite locally and does a great job of reaching out and helping people, especially this time of year. And then also Open Door Ministry, which is our global outreach, and they provide assistance for families and and people, believers, who are persecuted 
in a number of other countries around the world. Also, you'll notice uh, the Christian Women's Fellowship. They collect a number of items, and there's a list of them in your bulletin from cosmetic bags, uh, pill bottles, canceled postage stamps. Uh, if you can and have some of these items, bring them in and uh, donate them as soon as possible uh, because they need to get these taken care of. And then on the bottom, you'll notice we're having a, a Christmas Eve service at 4 o'clock. And you're all welcome. We'd love to, for you to be here. We'll have some great music and a good time of fellowship. Now, in your bulletin, there are two cards. Uh, your regular connection card. Please fill that out. Drop it in the offering plate as you're leaving. And then also, you have your pledge card. And we're asking that if you would, please fill that pledge card out. We have a box that's in the back in the foyer. I think it's wrapped in Christmas paper, it looks like. And if you would, drop that in there, and that way we can begin to put together our our budget for 2022 next year. Hard to believe we're almost at the end of this year. But it's good to see everyone this morning. And also, um, we have a number of calendars that are back on the table in the breezeway. If you would like a 2022 calendar, please take one. They're in the back, in the foyer, really the breezeway, and uh, uh, that would be great. All right, I'm going to ask Alberto to come and open us up in a word of prayer. Morning, everyone. Let's bow our heads and uh, talk to our Father. Oh, precious Father, we come before you on this beautiful and cold Sunday morning just to spend time with you, Lord. We love you, and we want to express our love through our songs, our prayers, and communion. Father, we just pray that we may hear your voice in in today's message. Speak to us, Lord. We also pray that you fill our lives with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for all your blessings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Push the button.
That's my son, Pastor. That's my son, Julia. Uh, Let's stand and sing together. Angels from the realms of glory. Four stanzas. became flesh and dwelt among us, but how would God as man live? Please read these words with me from Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped 
but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. May God bless the reading of his word. officially take Jerry off our prayer list. (laughs) There we go. We do need to continue to pray for those who are living in our senior living facilities. Flo Smith, Wanana Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, Zeta and Tony Myrick, and Gail Washlager. And then um, our homebound members are Dudley Perry, Cindy Bellmeyer, and Bill Guzzi. And continue to pray for Joan Williams' husband, Richard. He is at home on hospice. Let's pray together. Father, on this third Sunday of Advent, we thank you for the miracle of the birth of Christ, our Savior. We praise you for the love, the joy, the peace that Christ brings to our lives. And for giving us the assurance of our salvation through Christ. And Father, we rejoice in every blessing. The love of family the support of friends, and the many material blessings that we enjoy every day. Father, we do want to lift up those who need your comfort and your healing. With each person, Father, you know every need, and we present them to you, the great physician. Father, we pray for all the men and women who serve in our military. We pray for Omar Silva, Sean Carnes, Colin Graves, Adna Mauricio, Tyler McCarty Cogis, Joshua Davis, Nathan Hayes, Colby Hayes, and Devin Guzman. And Father, we pray for all the men and women who serve our community, our police officers and firefighters, our first responders. And as we were reminded just this week, the danger of that position. And Father, we pray for their families and their comfort. Father, we pray that you would uh, protect them and provide for them. Father, you're worthy of our praise. You're the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. And we do pray for peace. We pray for the peace in homes. Father, we pray for peace in our churches, peace in our hearts, and peace in the world. And help us to stay focused on you during this Advent. Father, thank you for loving the world enough to give us your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray for all those who are battling the virus. We're thankful for Jerry's recovery, but we pray for those who are still battling, and we pray for an end to this pandemic, because we know that you're far greater than any virus. Father, we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You know, I have over 30 piano students, and I'll ask the kids, let's do some Christmas music. Let's do Old Little Town of Bethlehem. They looked at me like I have two, two heads. You know, you mean Santa. You mean Frosty. There's a reason that these hymns are, have lasted so long. Listen to these words. There's even an action step in the fourth verse. Let's sing four verses of Old Little Town of Bethlehem. Thank you. 
This world was a very dark place until that morning when Christ was born. He is the light of the world and he is a blessing to our souls. As we partake of the Lord's table this morning, let us remember that we would continue to walk in darkness to this day were it not for him coming to us. Our communion scripture comes in the book of First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. And it reads, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood of a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Dear Lord, on this third day, this third Sunday of Advent, we celebrate with joy the anticipation of the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us also remember the joy this table reminds us of each week. We remember both the life that was given for us and the life that's now available to us, a new life in Christ Jesus. Bless this time of quiet joy, O Lord, as we share this bread and cup with each other and with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
You know, I've talked to Corbin several times about singing for you guys, and every time he says, Mommy, I'm too scared to sing in front of everybody at church. I can't do it. It makes me scared. I said, you could just close your eyes and just sing to the Lord, and we've talked about it so many times. And I said, you know, every time Mommy sings, she gets really scared too. And he's like, what? No way. I was like, yeah. But you know that there's people in this church that we love very much, and they want to hear Mommy sing, so I sing even if I'm scared because it makes them happy and it blesses my heart to make them happy. And Mr. Wayne asked me to sing this song and I just wanted to say, if you know Mr. Wayne and you've been impacted by his life, you know that he is such a servant for all of us. So when he asks you to sing a song, you sing it to the glory of the Lord and for the gentleman who asked you to sing it. So this is for you, Mr. Wayne, and I love you. Oh! 
Sing three stanzas of it came upon a midnight clear.
like Christmas, isn't it? Our uh, offertory scripture today is probably one of the top five all-time good ones. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pray about that. Dear Lord, we pray this morning's gifts and offerings are acceptable to you. We understand that the joy in giving is because it is joyful because it comes from you. And you do love a cheerful giver. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Uh, We're going to be reading a genealogy this morning. I know it would be much easier to skip over these verses and get right to the action. You know, the angels appearing and the shepherds coming and the wise men worshiping. But um, I think there's some things in this genealogy that we will take home with us and be glad. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And as I read these verses, please take note of the correct pronunciation of all these names. All right, here we go. That's right. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. 
Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. And his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah, the father of Sheltiel. Sheltiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Elak. Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Iliud, Iliud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Methan, Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus, there were four, there you go. <laughs> there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Uh, they divided it up that way for memorization, to make it easier to memorize. And so that's why they divided it into three 14s. Let's pray. Father, as we work through this genealogy, I know there are some wonderful, wonderful truths here for us. And I pray that uh, we will grasp them and how they apply to our lives at this Christmas time of year. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was about a year ago, I um, had a detached retina. So I was referred to the uh, retina specialist over here, the other side of LBJ. And I walk into the office... And when I do so, I, ask, they, I tell them I'm Scott Waddell and I have an 11 o'clock appointment today. And you know what they give me? Well, the first thing they do is they ask me, are you a first-time patient? And I say, yes, I am. You know what that means. You get a clipboard. And on this clipboard are 14 pages, a 14-page questionnaire. So I'm, you know, I can only see out of one eye. So I'm sitting there trying to fill this thing out. And most of us, I think, fairly relevant until you come to page number 11. And that's when you have the family history. And I'm looking at this thing wondering, why do they need to know about all of this? There's like 20 different um, different um, conditions here. I mean, everything from arthritis and asthma all the way to cancer, stroke, heart disease, everything you can imagine. And they want to know, did my mother have these? Did my father have them? Did my sisters have them? My brother, my maternal grandmother, my maternal grandfather, my um, paternal grandmother, and my paternal grandfather. And you know, I, I guess what I've I guess what I've learned is that your medical history, your what they refer to as your family medical history is relatively important to your own personal health. In fact, it kind of tells a story about who you are. And, and doctors realize that, you know, these things provide insight into your condition and maybe into some cancers and things that are common in your family. But they not only, you know, your, your family tree not only tells a medical history, it also tells a lot of other things. It tells a story about who you are. 
and where you're from and and it, it even answers questions like why am I the way I am and as you kind of look into your family tree you realize you know you know some of this has been passed down from previous generations and so I thought wouldn't it be interesting to look at the family tree of Jesus and I must tell you that genealogies are a huge part of the Bible I I wish I would have had the time to count how many genealogies there are in the Bible. The first one is in Genesis chapter 5. I mean, at the very beginning. And they're all the way through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And that is because the Jewish people recognize that your family tree is important. And, you know, if there is, um, if there would be one family tree, that would be perfect. It would have to be that of our Lord Jesus, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, most family trees could stand a little pruning. You know what I mean? (laughs) But if there would be one family tree that would be absolutely perfect, I would think it would be that of our Lord. I mean, it should be filled with Israel's finest. It should be filled with uh, the who's who of Israel. You know, great statesmen and great priests and prophets and great leaders. Some of the finest, the... the, um, well, we would say the, the movers and shakers of Israel. Well, we might be a little surprised at who we find in Jesus' family tree. But I think we'll also be encouraged at uh, some of the wonderful truths that are waiting for here, waiting for us to, to figure out and to discover this morning. Matthew, he does a, he, he does a masterful job of pointing out two very important truths about Jesus here in this genealogy. He skillfully points out that, first of all, Jesus uh, is the Son of God and at the same time, the Son of Mary in the genealogy. And then we're going to look at how he points out that Jesus is also, through the genealogy, the Savior of sinners. All right, let's take a look at this. First of all, his genealogy reveals Jesus. He is the Son of Mary, and at the same time, he is the Son of God. Notice with me that Matthew begins his book with a genealogy. Not exactly the most exciting way to begin a book. But also remember, the New Testament is beginning with a genealogy. Notice verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Did you notice something? The New Testament does not begin with once upon a time. Because that's how fairy tales start, right? The New Testament begins with a genealogy. Because Jesus is a real person. He lived in a real time. And the New Testament begins with a genealogy to firmly establish that Jesus was born at a specific time in history and in a specific place on this, on this world. He was born during the reign of Augustus, the emperor of Rome, Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and Herod, the king of Judea. And when you put all three of those together, you come up with a very specific time slot. Now, 
We cannot say so specifically that Jesus was born on December 25th. We don't know that. But we can nail it down to within a few months of when he was born. He was born at a specific time and he was born in a specific place, Bethlehem. And he was born to a specific family. And his mother, her name was Mary. So Jesus was born. And he was born into this world exactly how we were born. Mary went into labor. The contractions got stronger, closer. And Jesus was born. In the same manner that you and I are born. Because he is 100% man. However, he is also 100% God at the same time. And I want you to notice Matthew brings that out as well. Now let's take a look at verse 15. Verse 15. We're almost now at the very end of the genealogy. It says, Eliud was the father of Eliezer. Eliezer, the father of Methan. Methan, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph. The husband of Mary. Did you notice that? It does not say that Joseph was the father of Jesus. That would have been the pattern. But he breaks the pattern and he says Joseph was not the father of Jesus. Joseph was the husband of Mary. Well now that raises a good question. Who is the father of Jesus? The answer is in verse 18. Now this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. There you go. Jesus was conceived, not by man, but through the miracle of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he was born of the Virgin Mary. And you have both. You have his deity, conceived by the Holy Spirit, his deity. He was born of the Virgin Mary, his humanity. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now Matthew's genealogy is correct and precise down to every small word that is recorded here. And I want to add to that, that the life of Jesus, as it is recorded by Matthew and all of the Gospels, is accurate right down to every small word. Now, I have to mention that. The reason I have to mention that is because so many people today think that the, the story of the, the nativity is more fiction than fact. Many people today believe that, you know, Jesus in a, born in a stable and laid in a manger and angels coming to sing and shepherds and wise men. They would say that that's more a story of, you know, hope and love. and It's not really historically accurate. Well, I believe the biblical account. And I think Matthew is nailing it right on the head. And that Christmas is much, much more than a, a story of love and hope. It is the story of God coming to us. And why would he come to us? Because we're sinners. And we need to be saved. And that brings us to the second point I want to look at. The genealogy of Jesus reveals him to be the savior of sinners. Now let's pause for a minute here before we look at the genealogy. Remember, 
Remember, Joseph discovers that Mary is with child. Now, we're not told exactly how all that played out. Uh, perhaps Joseph noticed uh, something like, Mary, uh, you're putting on a little weight there, girl? You know? And, uh, and then suddenly he begins to notice there's, you know, something starting to show. And then he suddenly realizes, oh boy, I've got a problem here. And he decides, I need to break the engagement. Well, here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20... It says, Joseph, and this is the angel, now the angel Gabriel speaking to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. He's come to be our Savior. And you know, and we talked about this before, but this, the miracle of Christmas, the incarnation, this is the first of a series of miracles that were necessary for God to save us, for Jesus to become our Savior. He, first of all, had to become one of us, the incarnation, the miracle of Christmas. The second miracle necessary to save us is the atonement. That is Good Friday, Christ dying on the cross. And the third miracle that sealed it up was the Easter miracle, the resurrection. And Jesus fulfilled and completed all three miracles. And therefore, he has secured our salvation. And now, through him, he's done all the work necessary to save us. We are saved not by our works, but the work that he has done. We're not saved because we turn over a new leaf. We're not saved because we adopt adapt some new morality or our good works outweigh our bad works. We are saved when we confess we are sinners and we put our complete trust in what Christ has done for us and in our behalf. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. And now what I want to do is we're going to look at some names in this genealogy. That help us to see exactly that. And by the way, as we look at these names, remember that in biblical times, one's genealogy, it was everything. It was. It was your resume. It was your pedigree. Your genealogy was a way of saying, this is who I am. And and by the way, because of that, what some people would do, you know, because it was such an important part of who you are, what some people would do was they would, you know, prune a few branches out of that tree. You know, in fact, I, I read where even King Herod, you know, Herod the Great, you know that guy, he, he even pruned a few branches out of his family tree because he felt there were some people there that made him look less honorable than he is. You know, like Herod could look less honorable than he is, right? But... That was part of that culture back then. You see, the purpose of a genealogy is to impress people. Is to impress people of your nobility and your your character and your heritage. It's It's a way of saying, I come from good stock. And that's why, all right, we're going to take a little deep breath before we look at Jesus' genealogy. And look at his family tree because I'm going to tell you right up front, Matthew prunes nothing, okay? There's nothing pruned out of this tree. Here we go. 
First of all, let me point out that there are three women specifically named in this genealogy. Now, you know, you and I would say, well, big deal. Well, back then it was a big deal. It was a patriarchal society back then. And women were not, they were just never named in a genealogy. If if you go back to the Old Testament and look at all those genealogies, you know what? They're all men. They're all men. And, And Matthew breaks the mold. He's going to include three women. And they're not just regular, ordinary women. Okay? First of all, they're all Gentiles. That's interesting enough. But more than the fact that they're Gentiles, their biographies read like a soap opera. be honest with you. Look at this. There are three women. They are Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. And, they're, and, and by the way, Tamar and, and Rahab are Canaanites, and Ruth is a Moabite. And the Jewish people really frowned you know, on, on, the, on that uh, group of people, that society of people. But let's take a look. All right, let's look. Let's look at the first one, Tamar. And in verse, verse number two, right off the very beginning. Abraham, verse two, was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons, right? The 12 tribes. Judah was number four. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. All right, so we've got Judah. And it says that Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. And then, then, Matthew adds this. And he really didn't have to do this, but he does. Whose mother was Tamar. You know, that is one dark chapter in Israel's history, okay? I'm going to be delicate, I promise you, I promise. I will be as delicate as I can in dealing with this one. Tamar, all right. Judah had three boys. Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Three boys. The oldest one, Ur, marries Tamar. But before they can have children, he dies. It was customary then, sounds a little odd, that the next son in the family would marry Tamar. And that's what he does. Onan marries Tamar. So now the second son is now married to her. And guess what happens to him? He dies. All right. It would be customary then to give the next son to Tamar. Do you honestly think that Judah is going to give his third and last son to Tamar? Not on your life. She's just bad luck. So (laughs) it's not going to happen. So By the way, that would leave, really it would leave Tamar without an inheritance, without a child to, uh, to support her in her old age, a husband to support her. It would, it would, it really, it doomed her to a life of poverty and begging. So she has a plan. All right, I'm going to be sensitive here. She dresses up like a prostitute. She sees Judah, all right, her father-in-law, coming down the way, And she seduces him. And as a result of that, you have twin boys. Perez and the other one, (laughs) Zerah. And Jesus is a descendant of Perez. All right? 
I'm thinking, you know, Matthew might have been well advised to prune that limb from the tree. (laughs) You know, I mean, at least he could have been a little more discreet and just put in there, Jacob, the father of Judah, Judah, the father of Perez, Perez, the father of Hezron, and just kind of glossed over the thing. But no, Matthew just throws it out there front and center for everybody to read. Why in the world would he do that? Is he making a point here? Well, let's look at the next woman that's mentioned. Verse 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. I think most of us are a little more familiar with Rahab. You know, she lived in Jericho. When the spies came to Jericho, she hid them in their house. But how did she make her living? <laughs> James, in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 25, says she was a prostitute. Again, you know what? Another dark chapter in Israel's history in that regard. And Matthew might have been well advised to prune that from the tree as well. And then the third woman mentioned is also in verse number 5. And that's Ruth, the Moabite. The Moabite people were notorious idolaters. She came from a history of idolatry. Now she does become a believer. But her heritage is that of idolatry. So think about this. You have the first, you have three women that are mentioned here. And in that you've got idolatry, prostitution, and incest. Now, why does he mention these three women? I mean, all of us have a mom, right? All of us have a mom. And all of these in the genealogy, every one of them has a mom. Why doesn't, why doesn't Matthew write something like, Abraham was the father of Isaac, whose mother was Sarah. And Isaac was the father of Jacob, whose mother was Rebekah. And Jacob was the father of Judah, whose mother was Leah. Why does, why does he only mention three women here? And these three women, their, their histories are like soap operas. Matthew is making a point, isn't he? And I think his point is that, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a male or a female. It doesn't matter whether you are Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter whether you are a great big sinner or you're a little sinner. Jesus is the Savior of all people. They are in the family of God. Think about that. Well, As you read on, there is a little bit of encouraging news here. Matthew highlights David. In fact, David is mentioned four times in this genealogy. He's mentioned in verse 1, twice in verse 17, the very end, and he's mentioned in verse number 6. And by the way, who wouldn't want David in their genealogy? Isn't that great? I mean, King David, verse 6, Jesse the father of King David. Now there's a name we'd all like. But then Matthew just, he just has to say it, doesn't he? David was the father of Solomon. Here's another one of those whose woman, whose woman, whose mother, I mean, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. You know, Uriah is the only male that is mentioned in this genealogy that is not in the genealogy of, he's not in the family tree, but he's mentioned here. Now, Matthew is making us um, kind of go back and search our memory banks. All right. Whose mother 
had been Uriah's wife, who became David's wife, who gave birth to Solomon. Who was that? Bathsheba. Wow. You'd think he would have mentioned her name, but he doesn't. You know, he, he says that she was the wife of Uriah. Well, what happened to Uriah? David killed him. David had him killed. Think about that. David had the man killed. So in the family tree, you, in, David, in Jesus' family tree, you have murder, incest, prostitution, and idolatry. All of it in the family tree. His pedigree, his family tree, is filled with moral outsiders, racial outsiders, gender outsiders, outsider outsiders, we could say. And they're all in the family tree. So what does that mean to us? I think it shows to us that irregardless of whether you're the best of sinners or the least of sinners, you can be a part of God's family. Everyone is welcome in God's family. And it doesn't matter your rap sheet. It doesn't matter your your past failures and past uh, shortcomings. God is a God of grace. You know what matters? It only matters that we confess our sinfulness and we embrace the work that Christ has done on the cross and we trust in him. That's all that matters to him. It doesn't matter where we come from, our family tree, our heritage, our rap sheet, none of that. By the way, what anybody can be a part of God's family. What about what about the uh, the the fellow who killed Officer Houston this week, last week? Can he be a part of God's family? You know, did you see any of the clips of the of the funeral service? And his daughter, remember his daughter? She's a, uh, I believe she's a freshman, first year student at Dallas Baptist. And they, they showed her, and in that clip, she said that she wanted to meet the man who killed her dad. You remember why? She wanted to tell him about Jesus. Remember that? Yeah. Because she understands anybody can be in God's family. You know, I mean, if Tamar can be in God's family, if Rahab can be in God's family, if Ruth can be in God's family, and David, I mean, think of David, the, the level of forgiveness shown to him. In fact, David's forgiveness is so thorough that God blesses the marriage of David and Bathsheba by giving them the son Solomon who will become, who will come into the lineage of Christ. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're the best of sinners or the worst of sinners. You have a place in God's family. And, you know, it doesn't matter your family tree. One day, you know, in fact, right now, in fact, think of it this way. We all come together at the Lord's table and we're all equal. It doesn't matter where you've come from or where you've been. Your rap sheet, God's grace extends to everybody. It's amazing to me. That even in the genealogy of Jesus, the grace of God just permeates everywhere. All we need to do to receive it is confess that we are, I've sinned and I need a Savior and his name is Jesus. So what, what can we learn? What can we learn from a genealogy? Here's what I want us to take home today. Jesus was born into our family 
that we might be born into his family. I think that's what it really comes down to. He came to be born among us that we might be born into his family. You see, how do I become, we call it, by the way, we call that being born again. And how do we become born again? We put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's as simple as that. The work has been done. He's completed everything necessary to save us. We simply trust the work he's done. I pray that you'll do that today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for Matthew incorporating all the, all the, the, the branches that we would want to prune out ourselves. But we thank you that they've all been included there to remind us and encourage us that yes, we're sinners, but we can still be part of your family. Boy, thank you, Father, for that. And Father, if there's anyone here today who's, who have never come to faith in Christ, they've never put their trust in him, I pray that today will be that glorious day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together, Thou didst leave thy throne. Please stand. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come everyone this morning and if you'd like to pray with an elder or myself we'll be up front and be glad to pray with you and drop off your pledge cards in the box right straight back through the double doors and uh, your connection card in the offering plate please as you leave today and uh, so good to see everyone let's have a closing prayer heavenly father again we're thankful for jesus our savior your love for us in sending your son that we might have everlasting life through him. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born down in a lowly manger the humble Christ was born and brought us God's salvation that blessed Christmas morn go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born